Welcome to Sojourn Grace Collective, a progressive Christian church in San Diego, where our mission is to foster spiritual, social, and emotional wholeness. In our community, we affirm all that makes you, you. We celebrate your gender identities and sexual orientations, your race and socioeconomic status, your physical abilities and your religious creeds, because here at Sojourn, it all belongs. This podcast is a replay of our Sunday morning teachings, and we hope you find encouragement and inspiration as you make your way through this week. You can visit us online at SojournGrace.com, where you can learn more about our faith community, discover resources to help you find wholeness in your life, and partner with us in our mission through tax-deductible contributions. Thanks for joining us today, and may you know, above all else, that you are a loved child of God, full stop. Welcome to Sojourn. Hi, good morning again. Uh, it's me, and today, if you are, <laughs> my wife just made fun of me, uh, <laughs> standard. Uh, if you follow the church calendar at all, then you know that today is the day that's known as Palm uh, Sunday. And I'm hoping that, why isn't this, uh... ah, there it is. Okay, Palm Sunday, great. Hopefully these buttons will work for me. And this is the Sunday that is celebrated every year, the week before Easter. And it's a time for us to remember this story about when Jesus, if you recall the story of Palm Sunday from maybe growing up as a kid, you were part of the people, the, the parade of palm wavers at your church program on Palm Sunday. But this is the time to remember that story when Jesus traveled to Jerusalem uh, to prepare for what would eventually be his final Passover meal. As the story goes, uh, Jesus asked some of his friends, hey, guys, go find me a donkey. I'm sure that's how he said it. Hey, guys, go find me a donkey uh, so that he could ride into Jerusalem for the final descent. Now, why a donkey? Why a donkey? This reminds me of uh, those famous words from Marshall McLuhan, who said that the medium is the message, which is to say that the way that you communicate a thing is almost as important as the message you're communicating itself. So what this means in this context is to ride a donkey in that culture, as opposed to, say, a, a horse, was a symbol that you came in peace. You were not there as a threat. To ride a donkey, in other words, was to sort of vulnerably offer yourself to that city. And so Jesus rides this donkey down this hill toward the great city of Jerusalem, and people begin to uh, gather around. A crowd begins to form, and they start shouting out these, these uh, songs like, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And instantly I want to start singing, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We got the Hosannas coming from the crowd there. I knew I knew Karen would be with me. Thank you for not letting me down. Thank you for not letting me down. Um, but this is what the crowd starts chanting. And the reason they start chanting is because these are this is like the the chants that the people of Israel were sort of putting on reserve for when the Messiah would come. These were the welcoming words for when their great liberator would come. And in this moment, this crowd was ready to make Jesus their king. They need to make Jesus their king. For several years now, Jesus had been growing this rather sizable following, and he had been cultivating, whether intentionally or not, that could be 
uh, debated, probably some combination of both, but he had cultivated this sense that maybe, just maybe, he was the one that the Jewish people were waiting for. Maybe, just maybe, this was their long-awaited Savior. This would be their Messiah. This would be the one who would liberate them from their Roman oppressors. According to the Gospel accounts, Jesus spent not a small amount of energy trying to both affirm, yes, I'm offering liberation. Yes, this is, this is what the kingdom of God is about. It's about liberation. Yes, there's a sense in which I am the Messiah, a Messiah, the, the long, yes, and also, Jesus spent a lot of energy, I believe, also saying, but not really in the way you expect. Maybe not in the way you were hoping for. This gap between who the Jewish crowds wanted Jesus to be and who he actually was came crashing to the forefront just five days after this triumphal entry atop a donkey. What started on Sunday with Jesus surrounded by a joyful crowd singing in the streets, Hosanna, welcoming him as their Savior, would then end in tragedy on Friday with Jesus alone, but for Mary and his mother hanging on a Roman torture device, executed by this joint maneuver from both the state and the religious leaders. Now, it's common in Jewish lore during that time to look for a Messiah. They had their eyes open century after century waiting for their liberator, waiting for their second Moses to come and free them. And yet, just as common as waiting seemed to be the crushing disappointment when their hopes were dashed. You might say that the island of disappointment was one they had visited many, many times before. And one of the key signifiers that an individual in question wasn't the Messiah, after all, was, well, if the guy died. To say it differently, a dead Messiah was a failed Messiah. The fever pitch of excitement and hope, never higher than on that of Palm Sunday, it plummeted as low as it could possibly go come Friday. To use the word disappointment here to describe this kind of fall from hope, it's an understatement, really. I don't know if this word really gets at the experience here. I mean, we get disappointed when our Grubhub delivery is 20 minutes late. The other night, Kate and I had to wait for, oh, like 30 extra minutes for our peanut butter milkshakes. Disappointment. Worth it. And yeah, ultimately worth it. By the way, Wiener Schnitzel, great peanut butter milkshakes. We get disappointed when our internet buffers and our show goes from 4K high def down to 1990 levels of visual acuity. Disappointed. We get disappointed when the weather ruins our weekend plants. But staking the well-being of your future on someone being who you hope they can be and doing what you hope they'll do, only to watch that future die a grisly death? The word disappointment feels a bit trite in this context. I tried to find some synonyms for it, only to be met with options such as letdown, dissatisfaction, a setback, a bummer. <laughs> and I feel like all of these fail to name the devastation of when we hope for a thing and end up with something entirely different. When this chasm between our expectations and reality feels 
impossibly large disappointment. I was thinking about disappointment this week and disappointment of this degree, the, the more the more intense kind. And if you have a better word, I'd love to have you share it in the comments. What's a better word to name this sort of disappointment? But I think oftentimes it can lead to one of two outcomes. So one, we might find ourselves melting in despair. And despair is the sense that how it is now is how it's always going to be. If disappointment is this gap between expectations and reality, then despair is the belief that let's just throw in the towel because why bother? We're just going to be disappointed again. It's always going to end this way. Or second, we might fear disappointment in such a way that we sort of armor up with denial, a denial that anything bad might happen. We plow ahead. We just jump back on. We deny that life provides these inevitable and ample opportunities for disappointment, failure, and suffering. Despair, denial. These are the common reactions to disappointment. But I suggest to you this. I suggest that running from pain or denying its potential existence or despairing that oh, it's just always going to be like this all the time. I suggest to you that those are paths toward a small life of stagnation, loneliness, and ultimately unhappiness. But Palm Sunday... I get the sense that Palm Sunday offers us an alternative. Yeah, life is and will be full of disappointments. But we don't have to cower in despair, nor do I think we have to ignore them in denial. Instead, I wonder what would it look like if we choose what I'll suggest to you might be called the path of Christ. The path of Christ is described like this by the author of the book of Hebrews. And I apologize if that font is just too small for you, but I'm going to read it out. This is the 12th. 12th? There's an F in there, right? It's not 12th. 12th? I don't like words sometimes, how they sound in my ears. The 12th chapter of Hebrews. Uh, the author writes this. So then, let us also run the race. And this is a metaphor of our lives. Let us run the race that is laid out in front of us. Since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us. And if you know the book of Hebrews, you know that in chapter 11, the author just rattled off a ton of historical examples of people in the history of the Jewish tradition that have lived these great lives of faithfulness and endurance and perseverance. We have this great cloud of witnesses surrounding us. So let's throw off any extra baggage. Let's get rid of the hamartia, which in this you know translation is often translated the English word sin, uh, but as we've talked about here at Sojourn often, we might better understand this word hamartia as the gaps in our knowledge that cause us to hurt ourselves and others. Let's throw off the baggage. Let's get rid of these gaps in our knowledge that cause us to hurt ourselves and others, the things that trip us up, and let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. And then the author of Hebrews writes this, for Jesus endured the cross, ignoring the shame. Huh. Come on now. As a professional payer attentioner of shame, this idea of ignoring shame, he endured the cross, ignoring the shame, for the sake of the joy that was laid out in front of him. What? And sat down at the right side of God's throne. 
I read this and I think about the great cloud of witnesses. I think about this imagery, this idea, this concept of, of those who've gone before us who understand that life is about refusing to give in to denial or despair. It might be your parents. It might be your grandparents. It might be aunts and uncles. It might be best friends of yours. It might be heroes that you've read about in books, all who give this testimony to what life can look like on this path of faithfulness, this path of love. This is the path that stares down the journey of life, fully aware of the dangers, fully expecting trials, fully uh, eyes awake to the potential for disappointment. And yet, like Poppy on the road to the Bergens boldly declares, if you knock, knock me over, I will get back up again. Like Jesus on the way to the cross. This is a path walked in joy. Not because, not, not because of the pain, okay? The joy is not in the suffering. We're not called to embrace this pseudo-spiritual form of masochism. That's not the point. The joy is in the truth that you are facing this world head-on with eyes and hearts wide open, come what may. That's where the joy is. The joy is not in the avoidance of the pain, but the willingness to take it on, to learn from it, and to keep going. That's where the joy is. Y'all, disappointment is inevitable. There will always be gaps between what we hope and dream for and what actually comes to bear. And sometimes this gap will be so great that we feel crushed by it. But as St. Paul wrote, though we might be crushed, we are not destroyed. This path, this path of Christ, this is the path of transformation, ultimately. And transformation will always involve seasons of pain because in order for something new to take root, something old has to die. It's, it's not fun, BT-dubs. I'm not saying this path is just super enjoyable. But it might be the path that can make life meaningful. I was thinking about you this week. Thinking about you who are watching with us live or might be one of the hundreds that watch this back later in the week or listen to the podcast. And I was thinking about you and uh, it occurred to me that the odds are that if, if, you, if you hang out with us at Sojourn or if you're checking us out on, on any level, maybe you've been with us for all seven years, maybe you've just joined us in the last couple of weeks. But odds are, if you're hanging out with us at all, then that tells me that deep inside of you, there's this awareness that life is more than what it seems. I don't think you'd be hanging around a progressive Christian church faith community like this if you didn't suspect that these paths of despair and denial were, as our kids like to say, a bit sus. <laughs> I think maybe you're here with us because even though you've been knocked down, you still want to get back up again. Even though you might have tale after tale of disappointment and friends this last year, if it's given us nothing, has given us tale after tale of disappointment. And even specifically in the context of church, you have stories of disappointment of how church let you down, religion let you down, church, relationships, leaders. Lots of disappointment here. And yet you're here because I think you sense that there's got to be another way than despair or denial. I might even say, since I've already been biblical on multiple occasions so far this morning in this nugget, I might even say the way of despair and denial is broad, and many take it, 
and it leads to destruction. But the narrow path, that one leads to life. The narrow path, the narrow way, this third way. I see this way illustrated in this Palm Sunday, this path of Christ. This path, this journey from Palm Sunday to Good Friday. It's one that says, yeah, life is a constant series of disappointments. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to walk into them, eyes wide open, trusting that if and when they do come, that, that I'll be okay. That it doesn't have to mean that I'm doing it wrong. I'm looking at you, Enneagrams 1. Enneagrams 1? I liked it. Yeah, I liked it, too. I liked it a lot. I'm looking at you, Enneagrams 1. When the disappointment comes, it doesn't mean you did it wrong. Mm -mm. It just means life is really freaking hard. And when the disappointments come, it's not going to ruin you. It's not going to ruin you. And of course... The deepest truth is, this is what next week is about, that even if it does ruin you, there's new life on the other side. But I don't want to get ahead of myself. May we be people, Sojourn, who by faith, who by faith choose to walk this path. What do I mean by faith? Openness and trust. That's it. May we with openness and trust, trusting that the whole is good, trusting that we live in a benevolent world. What? Yes. May we be people who by faith bravely choose to walk this path. And may we be a community, looking at all of yous, a community who holds each other well so that when they experience their deep disappointments, we can be one another's strength and hope. So we've been doing um, soul care practice series, and I want to lean into the practice even more this morning. Um, when I read Kolb's talk for this morning, um, I had a real visceral response experience of, okay, but like how? Um, which is kind of my response to everything in life, but um, we're talking about practices, and so we have this great idea, this great nugget of truthiness about how despair keeps us stuck, and denial keeps us stuck. They're both just different ways of being stuck. And then we're invited into this third way to move through all the pain and disappointment of life um, with wholeness, to be fully um, awake to it all and experience it all and not get stuck in despair or denial. And um, it's a great thought. I love it. It's beautiful. And I question how. <laughs> how do we do that? Um, and so I was, I was reading through his talk and this great idea, and I had this vision um, come into my head that I'm going to try to get out of my head and offer to you this morning as a practice. And we're going to kind of do the practice a little bit here this morning in a little bit of a meditation-y moment. But really, I want to offer it to you as a way to move forward through your life this week and the rest of your life, really, um, that when you face these great small and big disappointments in life, um, that you have something 
to latch onto, not just an idea in your head of, I don't want to get stuck in despair. I don't want to get stuck in denial, but like something to do. Cause I'm like, what do we do? Um, so the practice is this, what occurred to me is that denial is, um, a practice that hangs out in our head. It is a, we have three main intelligence centers, right? Three main ways that we take in information in life that we process experience. So for processing the experience of disappointment, um, we do so in our head center, our heart center, and then I'm going to get to the body. So denial is a head center response. We get stuck in our heads. Um, Denial is something that we think or turn off the thinking, right? But it happens up here. It's a head center experience. Um, we talk about the intelligence centers a lot here at Sojourn. So this is a head center experience, and we can get stuck there, just hanging out just there in our head, just all up in my head around this disappointment. I'm stuck. And then despair is a heart center. It's a feeling thing. Despair is this great feeling experience. It's a heart center experience. What occurred to me is that if we're going to walk the third way and not get stuck in either place, stuck up in my head, stuck up in my feels, that maybe we need to live embodied disappointment. When we experience disappointment in life, most of us have been disembodied. And so that's why we get stuck. We get stuck in our feels, despair, just going to live in despair. We get stuck up in our head. Nope, all good here, nothing to see, just keep moving forward, nothing happened, or overthinking. Either way, just stuck, stuck in these places. And when we invite, invite, that's the practice that I want us to do today. We invite our body back to the party, back to the experience of life. Okay, there's been this great disappointment. Think about how grief and her sister, Joy, grief and joy are full bodied experiences. And that's what Colby's inviting us to do this morning, to face disappointment full-bodied. So it is ugly cry. It is full-body wailing and sobbing, like isn't culturally appropriate today, right? To go out in the street and tear your shirt and scream and cry. Full-bodied grief. Same with joy. That laugh that I did this morning laughing at Merlin sticking his head through the cat door. The laugh that like is so loud the neighbors are like, what are you laughing at? It's that full-bodied joy and grief. And so I invite us to move throughout our week and our life when we come up against disappointment and we start to go here, get stuck. We start to go here and get stuck to just invite our body. Our body is where intuition, it's our gut sense. What might it say? So this morning, let's just practice it just for a moment, and then we can take that with us out into our lives. So I want you to think about a disappointment in your life just for a moment, and don't—the whole point is not to get stuck, right? So don't go too deep into this. Maybe just think of a smaller disappointment for the practice, because we're just playing with it here, seeing what it might be like. What's a disappointment that you've had very recently? And let's just go through what it's like to go to those just very— You know, we've all been conditioned to stay in the head and the heart for this. So just our very first natural response to this disappointment. Let's stay in our head for a moment. What does it look like to be stuck in your head around it? I was really disappointed this week around something stupid. Something was supposed to come and make my life happy and joyful and fill up my home with family time. 
stupid couch that didn't get delivered. And I told Colby not to talk about this and not use it as a sermon illustration, and I'm using it, so he's happy. Okay? But I said, stupid thing. Pull a stupid thing up for the sermon illustration. This is a stupid thing. But I got stuck in my head. I was explaining to my whole family how not to respond to this. This is not a crisis. This is not a tragedy. Stop getting so upset. This is just a minor inconvenience, and I just got really stuck in my head and didn't allow myself to feel the disappointment at all. Stuck in my head. Okay, what does that feel like for you to get stuck in your head around disappointment? Do you just block it out completely? Do you get really busy? I think busyness is a head center, stuck in my head response. That's a great way of denial, right? Just fill, fill, fill your time. Busy, busy, busy. What would it be like to invite your body in? Just like going back to my stupid example, what if I just sat in my living room and just like invited my body to have the experience of this stupid disappointment? Maybe it's not stupid to cry about a couch. Maybe we care about couches. Maybe couches comfort us through the harder trials of life. Maybe it's okay to let my body experience that disappointment. Maybe then I'll move through it instead of getting stuck. What would it look like for you to invite your body in? I, I say the cheesier, the better with this stuff. What if you just said, hey, body, and just I use the, like my belly right here to just like touch her and just say, hey, belly, hey, love, come to the party. I invite you. I invite you in. What do you have to say to my head? Are you an overthinker like me? I'm just, my brain just spins out. If I'm stuck in my head, I am like overthinking it. What if I just stop? quietly invited my body to the party. Hey, love, what do you have to say? What does my intuition have to say about this? What does my gut want to experience in this moment? Let me move to our heart center. A lot of us get stuck here, too. I do. Despair is very comfortable for me. I spent a lot of my life stuck in despair. And it didn't even feel wrong. <laughs> didn't even feel like stuck. I just felt like home until I saw things on the outside fall apart and knew it was coming from being stuck in despair. What if, when our feels are so big, we feel like we're drowning, if we stopped? If we stopped and just, hey, belly, hey, love, hey, body, full-bodied experience. Just let the grief be. I don't know what it would be like. I think we've all been living so disembodied for so long that I think it's exciting to think about. I think it could move us forward. So that's the invitation. That's the practice this morning. Just a deep breath. Just a moment when you come up against disappointment to stop and to go, okay, we talked about this at church. I'm doing that thing. I'm stuck here. I'm stuck here. I'm just going to take a, take a beat to go here. And it's not because here or here is bad. It's that it's not the full picture. It's the stuck part, right? Despair is just human. It's not bad. Denial is just human. It's not bad. It's the getting stuck there. It's the only there. It's the body not being a part of it. So we're just going to take a beat next time we experience disappointment and invite our bodies to the party. What do you have to say, gut? Come join me here. Help me move through it that I might live a wholehearted, whole experience. 
A large portion of Sojourn's financial support comes from listeners like you. People who hear messages like this one and want to express their gratitude for our ministry. Or who are simply thrilled to know that a church like Sojourn exists. Or maybe you can't attend services on Sunday mornings, yet you still consider Sojourn Grace Collective your spiritual community. If that's you, and if you'd like to partner with us in this work, please visit SojournGrace.com partner where you can make a one-time donation or sign up to be a monthly supporter. Also, don't forget that we stream our services live every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Pacific on both our Facebook and YouTube pages. And if you missed us live, you can always rewatch the video playback later or subscribe to this, our Sojourn podcast. It was an honor to have you with us today. As you go about your week, may you take with you the words we say at the end of all our gatherings. Be brave because you are a child of God. And be kind because, well, so is everyone else. Thank you.